0: Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. It's the last Sunday of
1: Easter, but it's the last Sunday of our sermon series, Finding Home. We've been looking at the book of Ruth. So this morning, Pastor Adam is going to be sharing his reflections on chapter 4 of Ruth. So our final installment, we're beginning in chapter 4 in the first verse. So hear now God's word. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down there than the next of kin of whom Boaz had spoken came passing by. So Boaz said, come over, friend, sit down here. And he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to the next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me so that I may know for there is no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. At this, the next of kin said, I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. And then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Limelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance, in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to
0: God. Good morning church, I'm Adam Seat, I'm the lead pastor here at Orange and I'm so thankful to have you with us today whether you are here in person or worshiping with us online. It is still such an exciting time as we began hearing reports this past week of the reports from the CDC and the governor's announcement and we are still looking and examining all of our protocols to try to make sure that we're able to continue to provide as safe a place as possible when we gather together to worship. So thank you for the ways that we've continued to be able to live into those protocols and we look forward to hopefully beginning to see some of those things adjusted and change in the time to come. But thank you again for being here today. I know that that comes at no great uh, this came at a risk for you to be here because I know as soon as I got here this morning I saw right across the street over there at the gas station cars already lining up. So this is a risky time. So Trust me, for those of you that have driven here, thank you. Thank you for choosing to to use that gas to come and to be present with us today. Let's worship. Let's pray. Dear God Almighty, we thank you so much for the way that you have been with us throughout all of these months of this pandemic. We thank you for the way that you're leading us forward now. Lord, you have never forsaken us, and so we give thanks for the ways that we can look back and to see the way that your hand was upon us, the ways that we can feel your holy presence right now, the ways that you're creating a new path in front of us. And so may we continue to be faithful as we seek to follow you wherever you may lead us. Lord, today we give thanks as we have been reminded of that incredible love that you have for us And as we have heard the scripture as it has been read, now we ask that we might hear your voice speak to us once again. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, individually and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray these things. In the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, all of God's people said, amen. We are concluding our worship series that we've been in uh, regarding the book of Ruth. We've been looking at this for the past three weeks, and then today we draw to a conclusion. and uh, We've called it Finding Home, because as we look at the story of Naomi and Ruth and their desperate attempt to find home, We're looking at the ways that we ourselves also have to find home. I really this week thought about even changing uh, the series title to Finding Gas because it seems that when you find out about a place, people would let people know. And goodness, I heard on the news about people lining up at 4 o'clock in the morning to get gas. I I can't even imagine the, the desperate need to be able to get that gas or the panic that people were experiencing hoping that they would find it. But once again, we are looking at what it means for us to find home. And here at Orange, it is our mission that we are going to be a place that helps people find their place, find their home in God's story. And all of us, all of us, no matter who you may be, have a place in God's story. And so we started looking at this passage of scripture, this book, this short book that tells us the story of Ruth. Now, before we get into it, I want to ask, how many times have you experienced a time in your life that you have been completely just lost and felt hopeless? And to to say this, I'm reminded of several years ago, I was participating in an event in New York City. Now, big country going to big city. They say it's the city that never sleeps, except for Sunday morning. I promise you, because it was Sunday morning, and I was having to make my way from my hotel to uh, the start of the New York City Marathon and to get to the start of the New York City Marathon had to take a subway I knew I'd planned out my route. I knew exactly which which subway I was going to get on. I knew what time I was supposed to get there to ride on that subway and I would get down there and I'd get to the ferries and I would ride the ferry over to where the race was going to start and I mean it was going to be 52,000 people that were participating in this race and so I knew surely I would be able to find somebody else in the city of millions, the city that never sleeps, I would be able to follow the crowd. That was not the case. I remember going out of my hotel and making my way to the subway station and I hear over the intercom as I'm making my way to the part that I knew that I was supposed to be getting on where I would get my train, I would hear the announcement. (laughs) And it sounded exactly like that. And I I could not understand what was being said. And so I looked and I saw on the screen something, there was a display that said that that train was closed for the day. And I suddenly was desperate, I had no idea. How am I gonna get to the start of the race? And so as I'm standing there waiting, thinking that I see that the sign says that the train is closed for that day, then I go running up the stairs, which is not a good thing when you're getting ready to have to run 26.2 miles. And so I go running up the stairs, try to find somebody that could tell me where it was I was supposed to go. And as I'm running up the stairs, guess what I hear happening down below where I had just come from? The train that was supposed to be closed, I heard the train going. And so I go running back down, hoping that it was going to stop, and it did not. And so I go running back up the steps. All of this, mind you, before I had to run the 26.2 miles. And Barry, we can never forget the .2, can you? and so as I made my way back up there I finally saw a group of people and you can always tell who the runners are in a race because they've got weird funky shoes on and dressed kind of crazy and especially for that race because everybody's wearing something that has their name on it so that when you're running past the two million and some people that line the streets of New York for that race they can call out your name and I finally saw a group and I asked them are you going to the start of the race and none of them spoke English But I knew, because the way that they were dressed, I knew they were my people. And so I followed them. I went with them. Even though I was a stranger to them, and I was probably very stranger to them, but I went along with them and finally found my way. And I will forever be grateful for those people that helped me find my way. When I was lost, there was somebody that welcomed me. Even though I was different, even though I was stranger, They welcomed me, they helped me find my way. I see that lived out in this passage of Scripture as we look through the book of Ruth, and just in case you've missed it, you can go online and watch the other weeks, but just in case you aren't familiar with the story of Ruth, what we learn about in the story of Ruth, in the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, we have Naomi and her husband Elimelech. They're from Bethlehem, and there is a great famine that has taken place. And so Elimelech takes his wife Naomi, and they go to Moab. Now, what's interesting about them going to Moab is the people of Moab and the people of Israel, they did not care for one another. It was deep-seated. It was long. Look, you see it on the news today you still see how there's so much conflict in that part of the world there was this deep seated resentment towards one another and so the fact that that elimelech took his wife naomi from bethlehem to go to moab tells you it was desperate and they go and they find home there for the time being they find able he's able to provide for his wife and then they have two children two boys and then we learn that Elimelech dies. As Elimelech dies, Naomi is left widowed with her two sons. Desperate times, but she there finds two wives from the land of Moab for her two sons so that they may have a future. And they get married, and that is where we are introduced to Ruth. Ruth marries one of the two sons. But then, as it seems like everything is going to be okay, both of Naomi's sons die, leaving Naomi with her two daughters-in-law of the land that they're in. Naomi knows nowhere else to turn, so Naomi attempts to send them back to their family's home because that was her intent. She's going to go back to her family and hope that someone will provide shelter and take care of her. And one of the daughters kisses and weeps and goes back to her family, but not Ruth. That's where we have that beautiful passage where Ruth makes this demonstrates her resolve, her commitment to Naomi. And she says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. I mean, this, this commitment to Naomi, and so they go back. They go back to Bethlehem. And as they go back to Bethlehem, again, I, I find it so fascinating. As they enter into Bethlehem, people are pointing out, oh, there's Naomi. And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Naomi is a name that means pleasant. Says, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara which is a name that means bitter. That tells us of the mindset. And so there, as we moved into chapter 2, we saw how Ruth was sent out into the fields to glean. Gleaning is when you go behind those who have picked the crop, and there's always some that is left behind. And so they can come behind that group that has already been harvesting and then pick what's remaining. As I moved here, I I used to live in Spivey's Corner. Some of you have heard of Spivey's Corner, and as I served a church there, I had some farmers in the area, and it was always wonderful because sweet potatoes were a big thing in that area. And so, as they would harvest the sweet potatoes, the size of the sweet potatoes that would be left in the field would feed, I mean, just one would be massive, but it was too big for them to be able to take to the grocery store to sell. And so... Those farmers would a lot of times bring us some of that which had been gleaned from the field. And so Ruth goes out into the field to glean that which is left behind after things have already been picked over. And it just so happens, as she is out there gleaning, she happens upon the field of Boaz. This is where we get introduced to Boaz. Now, Boaz is a relative of Elimelech. But what do we know about Boaz? Well, if we look at the scriptures, what we know about Boaz is that he apparently is a wealthy, prominent man. As the scripture itself had identified him, it says that he is a man of great wealth. We know that he owns these fields. We know that he has servants. He is doing well for himself. But what else do we know about Boaz? One of the interesting things I think is fascinating is when the Bible tells us the genealogy of who folks are. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew begins telling his gospel by telling the genealogy from Abraham all the way to Jesus to try to understand the whole line of where, how we got to Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 1, we learn a little bit about Boaz that as we read in verse 5, it says that Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. And by Boaz, and by Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Now, we learn there that Boaz's mother is Rahab. Some of you probably know that name, Rahab. Some of you may remember. Poor Rahab, it seems like every time Rahab's name is said, it's always followed by the and something else. Kind of like Thomas the Doubter. Doubting Thomas, Rahab is identified in the book of Joshua. If we go back into that time, and the, as they are coming into the promised land to conquer and overcome, they come to Jericho. and Rahab is there identified in the scriptures as a prostitute, a harlot. But there is two spies are there, and, and the people of Jericho, the soldiers are hunting, and they're looking for them. Rahab, she harbors them, she shelters them, she hides them, and sends those looking for the spies of Israel. She sends those looking for them the other way. And so then, those spies make a promise to her, and they say that when we come to conquer, if you will tie this red scarlet cord hanging out the window, and we will know that you and your family will be spared. And sure enough, that day Rahab on the day of conquering, was spared. And she and her family were then a part of Israel and lived and dwelt with them. But you know, what's funny. As we continue to identify Rahab in that way, so many times when we think about it, I bet those people never let her forget her past. You know, don't people have a way of bringing up our past? One flaw, and that's what we seem to be known for. And so I bet Rahab never got to forget her past. I bet it followed her like a shadow. Wherever she went, even though she had done this wonderful thing, even though she had taken a great risk to help the people of Israel, even though she had done this, don't you know there was always whispers? Well, there's Rahab. You know what she used to do? Sometimes we probably feel even that way about people that look upon us. Oh, there's Adam. We know who he used to be. I've told some of you before about when I went into to, to seminary, I met a friend who was working at another church, and I had gone to undergraduate at Campbell University, and there I'd been involved in student government. I'd been involved in a lot of things that I probably should not have been. And so as this friend of mine from seminary was working at another church, she met someone that had gone to Campbell right about the same time that I was there. And so my friend said, oh, I have a friend in school at Duke with me who went to undergrad at Campbell, Adam Seat. And the person said, Adam Seat? And the person and my friend said, yes, Adam Seat. And they said, and he's studying what? She said, he, he's studying to become a pastor. And she said, well, it must have be a different Adam Seat. <laughs> All she could remember is who I used to be and not who I was. And folks, that's the way so many times People look upon us. They look at us who we used to be. And sometimes we take on those things and that's the way we look at ourselves. We look at ourselves and we think, instead of being found, that we're still lost. And I can only imagine how Rahab lived that life. Probably always holding on, remembering, because people would never let her forget. And that's the Rahab that raised Boaz. Who went on to become prosperous, wealthy, a man of power. But it's also the man that looked out upon a field and he saw a stranger picking in his field. Someone who was not like him. Somebody who was not like all the other people around. He said, you pick in my field. You, we will look over, look after you. You only stay here. See, Boaz knew because his mother knew. And because of that, he took that and he made sure that Ruth was going to find a home. Now then, as Pastor Corey reminded us last week, there was still great risk that Ruth had to do. And Naomi equipped her and sent her into the to be at Boaz and to offer herself and essentially say, marry me, take care of me, throw your cloak over me, let me find home. Boaz was willing to do that, he was willing to do that, but he knew that there was still one, and that's where we get to today, there was one that was a closer relative. Now, it may seem foreign to us, but in that day and time, we know that we want the the laws were established to help make sure that people were taken care of, people, there were protections for individuals, and there was protections for widows, those to be taken care of, to be redeemed. Now, the closest relative to the man who had died was the one that was supposed to have first rights to be able to redeem and to to take that person as their family, but then to be able to raise up that family in the name of the one who is deceased, meaning part of their inheritance would go that way. And so, as we see in the scripture, as Pastor Corey read just a little while ago, Boaz goes to the city gate, which is where business would usually be transacted many times because you could have a crowd. And as he's there, he sees that closest relative coming by and he says, come here, friend. I love the way that he calls a cousin, friend. But as he calls him over, he says, Limelech's widow, her land, his land must be redeemed. And the man, and he says, if you will redeem it, redeem it. And the man says, well, yeah, that sounds great. I can acquire land. I can, incur, I can boost my own status. But then he says, oh, by the way, the day that you redeem that land, you also take Ruth. And you will raise her children up as, as a part of a Limelech's family and not yours he says, well, that's a price I'm not willing to pay because that would mean part of his inheritance would then go to this stranger, this person from a strange land, from the land of Moab, the people we resent, the, the people we despise. And he says, no, I will not. And so Boaz then stakes his claim. He says, then I will redeem it, and I will take Ruth as my wife. And there they find home. That story reminds me of the way that there is a price that they could not pay on their own, that Naomi and Ruth could not pay on their own. But Boaz was willing to pay this extraordinary great price. He was looking past not who they had been. He was looking at who they are. He was seeing them as beloved. Folks, sometimes we live in a past where we still think that we're lost. We live in a past of all the things that we used to do or used to be. And sometimes those burdens still continue to weigh on us so much that even right now we feel helpless and we feel lost. But as I read this story, I am reminded of one who loved us so much that he was willing to pay a price that we cannot pay on our own. One who was willing to lay down his life so that we might find home, so that we might find a place of belonging. And even though the world may say that we're different, even though the world may say that you're not worthy, God looked upon you and he says, you are worthy. And there's nothing that you can do that will ever separate me, you from my love. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. And so many times we get caught up and say, well, God can't love me if I do this. God can't love me if I'm this way. That's, that's not accurate. God looked Upon you and was willing to lay down the life of his son. Boaz looked upon Ruth and was willing to lay down whatever it took for her to find home. And that same God that put all of that into motion is the same God that looks upon you today. You're not who you used to be. You're home. God has covered you. And in the midst of whatever struggles we may be enduring right now, Find hope that God looks upon you and he says, you are my beloved. You are home. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, you are the God of redemption. Lord, when we were lost and knew nowhere else to turn, you find us. You deliver us. You lead us home. Today, Lord, as we we come, we acknowledge that there are times that we get so caught up in holding on to the past, holding on to those things of who we used to be, holding on to those things that we have done. Maybe our past follows us like the shadow. Maybe the world continues to remind us of who we used to be. But God, when you place your blanket of protection over us, when you spread your wings over us, we become a new creation. We find home in you. So today, God, I pray that you might fill us with the peace that comes with knowing that we are yours and you are ours. You are our God. You are our hope. You are our redemption. And so in spite of those that remind us of our past, may we look into this future we have in the home of you. Lord, in your mercy, free us today. Redeem us once again. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.